Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We're very glad you're here. I extend a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us for the first time. If you have questions about this faith or about this congregation, don't hesitate to ask the people at the visitor table, and they will do their best to help you out. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. It is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the divine on this beautiful Sunday morning by turning to the people around us and welcoming them here this morning. Will you say with me the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith? Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. The call to worship this morning comes from Lao Tse. Listen and hear these wise words. If there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. If there is to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there is peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. This congregation has a mission statement that guides its decisions and its actions. We say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Our reading is the eight ends or goals of this congregation. They're in your bulletin. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to read one, then Bear's going to read one, and then we're all going to read one together, and we'll rotate like that. Number one. We live our first, our Unitarian Universalist faith and values, teach them to our children, and act on them in the world. We support and challenge one another in worship, spiritual growth, and lifelong learning to practice a rich spiritual life. We engage with one another to care for the earth and the interdependent web. We care for one another in intergenerational community and connect in fun and fellowship. We embody the principles of Unitarian Universalism and invite people of goodwill to find a spiritual home with us. We partner with other organizations and faith communities to dismantle a culture of white supremacy and other systems of oppression within ourselves, within our church community, and beyond our walls. We provide leadership to and collaborate with the greater Unitarian Universalist community to expand the reach of our movement. We are generous with time, talent, and treasure to realize our mission. Now is the time in our service when we enter into an attitude of prayer and meditation together, where we speak or listen to God as we understand God, 
or just listen to our inner wisdom, or where we just watch our breath come in and out of our bodies. In any of these ways, we nourish our souls and perhaps nourish the souls of others as we emerge with more clarity, compassion, and love from the silence. As always, in this congregation, small noises of babies and sounds of life count as part of the silence. Let us enter into the wise silence together. Hush, hush, somebody's calling my name. Hush, hush, somebody's calling my name. Hush, hush, somebody's calling my name. Oh, my Lord, oh, my Lord, what can I do? So this story's been calling my name recently. It's a family story from Unitarian Universalist history. It's from 50 years ago in 1969. Anybody remember 1969? Good, many of us. Martin Luther King Jr. had been assassinated. Bobby Kennedy had been assassinated. It was one year before Kent State. This is a complicated story, and it's ridiculous to try to tell it in a sermon. And yet, I'm going to try because that's all I've got. It's a story about what some people call the black empowerment controversy, and one of my black colleagues calls it, who was there, calls it the white entitlement controversy. (laughs) This is what Dr. Mark Morrison-Reed, a black Unitarian uh, minister, wrote in his book, Revisiting the Story of the Empowerment Controversy. Related here is a tale of honorable people pursuing dreams of racial justice while battered by historical forces beyond their control and social circumstances not of their making, circumstances that forced them to choose between dearly held but conflicting values. It was a collision of worldviews and loyalties in which every decision was colored by the partaker's humanity. Noble intentions alongside inflamed passions Egocentrism masking, masquerading as activism, susceptibility to self-delusion, defensiveness, and as tragedy requires, hubris. The members of the Black Unitarian Universalist Caucus, its white allies, contesting integrationists, and the institutional loyalists who saw themselves as fighting for the financial survival of the fledgling Unitarian Universalist Association, UUA, all misconstrued and radicalized a broader range of tensions. Cultural and denominational pressures 
that had been mounting along several fault lines were increased by the urgency of the late 60s and then released by the cause du jour. Underlying it all were competing needs for power and control. It didn't start in 65, but that's where we're going first. Uh, how many of you all had been working on civil rights issues before 1965? Yeah. In 1965, Dr. King issued a call for religious leaders and other religious folks to join him in Selma. Bloody Sunday had happened on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. The lines were drawn and people were watching it on television. Many Unitarian Universalists went to Selma. One of them was a white Unitarian Universalist minister named James Reeb. He was with a small group of activists in Selma, having just had supper at one of the only restaurants in town that would serve both blacks and whites. And they were set upon by white thugs and beaten badly. He was beaten so badly he had to go to the hospital, but the white ambulance would not pick him up. And the white hospital would not treat him. So a black ambulance took him to the black hospital, but that hospital was not equipped to do the kind of brain surgery Reeb needed. So he had to be transported all the way to Montgomery, where he died a couple of days later from his wounds. Black activists had died in this struggle, but this was the first Unitarian Universalist minister who'd been killed. This got the attention of the white-identified Unitarian Universalists and the black-identified Unitarian Universalists. And another UU laywoman, Viola Liuzzo, came down from the north to Selma that same time and was helping to transport a black activist while well, they were just in the car together from Montgomery to Selma, and the Klan um, did not approve of a white woman driving with a black man. So they shot into the car, and she was killed, and he only survived by pretending he'd also been killed. UU churches continued to make resolutions, work for the Voting Rights Act, work for fair, fair housing. But most of us, I'll say, even though I was in fifth grade and a Presbyterian at the time, but I'm you, you now, and it's us. Most of us saw racism as something out there that we needed to help fix. And the goal was integration, fairness, getting along, working for justice. But integration turned out not to be the goal for some black Unitarian Universalists. Because integration felt like just being assimilated or subsumed, seeing things through the white lens, being in the white culture, uh, doing things with white thinking. And many black Unitarian Universalists were extraordinarily good at that, uh, as were the white ones. In 1967, after a summer of riots in the, in the cities, the UUA called an emergency conference on UU response to the Black Rebellion. 
Uh, some folks were calling it the Black Rebellion. That was not original with us, but I think it's weird. At that conference, a Black Caucus formed, and the Black Caucus said to their white allies, we want to just talk to ourselves, to each other. We don't want you in here. That hurt the feelings of the white allies who were like, but we've been working together for years. But the Black Caucus said, you know, some of us didn't even know there were this many black UUs. And here we all are at this conference. And we just want to talk to one another and determine our own fate. And it hurt the white allies' feelings that their presence, their very filled with goodwill presence could put a damper on the conversation among black Unitarians. That their presence could somehow drain the life out of black Unitarian Universalists and that they just wanted to talk to each other. So there was some anger and some agitation about that. Even though they weren't saying, we're going to just meet with each other, we're never talking to y'all again. It was just for that conference. They just wanted to be together. Okay? So uh, a lot of white allies and white supporters uh, formed a we're going to support them group, which was great. Um, the, the speaker at that summer's General Assembly had been Saul Alinsky. A radical. And um, what he had said was, you make demands, you present your demands, you don't allow any discussion, you just want an up or down vote. Because if you allow discussion, you're lost. They're going to get lost in phraseology and where the semicolon should go. So up or down, that's what you want to do. And the Black Caucus took on Sololinsky's uh, strategy. So, um, the Black Unitarian Universalist Caucus demanded at that conference full support and funding for a Black Affairs Council at the Unitarian Universalist Association. In the face of those demands, the UUA board voted to reorganized the Commission on Religion and Race. That's not full funding for a Black Affairs Council. But this is how um, people in power and people who love order, I'm pointing at myself because I am one of these people, uh, not so much the power, but definitely the order, <laughs> You, you go, okay, well, we'll give you a little. We'll give you a little just to give ourselves time to think. Y'all are being very radical, and that's kind of rude and um, disruptive. So the UUA board behaved. Uh, we were all ourselves, only more so that summer. So um, some of the black Unitarian Universalists did not like the style, the aggressive style of the black Affairs Council, and so they formed a group called Black and White Alternative, where it was not a black-only group, it was a black and white group, and they were the black and white alternative, Bawa. Um, they changed it to Black and White Action because alternative sounded a little bit like they were putting themselves up against the Black Affairs Council, which they were, but they didn't want to sound like that. 
1968, after a contentious discussion uh, in which there were tears, agony, yelling, shoving, shoving to the point that uh, one of the people said, uh, the beloved president of an unfailingly gentlemanly white man named Dana Greeley was coming down from the podium to speak at the con microphone about the, the decision to fund. Um, con now means concerns, the way we do it now, but it used to mean against. So uh, the president came down and one of the ministers, a young minister, Obs said to him, hey, we've already heard from you and you're the president. You can talk all you want to. We need to hear from us now. And the president, usually very polite, went like this to the young minister's chest and shoved him backwards. And the young minister shoved back. It was not our finest hour. It was you used behaving badly. So... Um, Finally, in 68, the General Assembly voted to fund the Black Affairs Council's demand for a million dollars, $250,000 that year and $250,000 for three years after that. They voted to give Bawa something like $50,000. There was jubilation, but nothing happened. Nobody did fundraising to capture the energy of this power and the glory of the Black Caucus awakened and in the Black Power uh, era, feeling its power and making demands. In 1969 at General Assembly, people found the funding of the Black Affairs Council on the agenda again only at the end of the agenda, at the very end, after everything else was done. The members of, well, I'll just read what Dr. Morrison Reed says. It was the middle of July, 1969, in Boston. Monday was 77 degrees and comfortable, but as the days passed, it grew hot and then hotter. On Tuesday, the temperature and the humidity both reached 84. Wednesday, the mercury hit 94 and remained there on Thursday. Now, y'all know they don't have any air conditioning up there. On Friday, it was still 90. In the Stadler Hilton Hotel, where the Unitarian Universalist Association was holding its annual General Assembly, the meeting began normally, grew heated, and then exploded. On Monday, immediately following the opening ceremonies and greetings, the Black Unitarian Universalist Caucus commandeered the mics with a motion to reorder the agenda. The motion was defeated. So rude to commandeer the mics and demand that we reorder the agenda. I swear. Tuesday morning, as the assembly was about to hear from the candidates for the upcoming presidential election, a motion was called to reconsider the Black UU Caucus's motion from the day before. Are you still with me? Somebody called to reconsider that motion. 
Oh, everybody was fine with reconsidering it. So that passed. And they voted it down again. They were like, yeah, bring it on. We'll vote it down again. Reorder the agenda, I swear. The vote was close. 692 to 687. A recount was called. But then another motion to table the recount until the day after the presidential candidates forum carried. Oh, yeah, we can table things. That's fine. I'll vote for that. Let's table it. Before the presidential candidates had a chance to address the gathering, it was pointed out that the members of the Black Unitarian Universalist Caucus had left the building. Gone. Reverend Jack Mendelson, a white minister uh, from the church down the street, Arlington Street Church, walked to the procedural microphone. He called the walkout one of the most serious events in the history of our movement. He asked to address the assembly, and after a brief deliberation, the answer was, okay, you can address it, and the black man who is chair of BAWA will also address. Mendelssohn announced that he could no longer go on with business as usual in this situation. He was going to the Arlington Street Church, and anyone who wished could join him. Without waiting to hear the other guy, he left. Many white BUUC, the Black Affairs Caucus, uh, Black Unitarian Universalist Caucus supporters, rose and followed him out. Reverend Mendelssohn said that as he made his way up the aisle, his colleague Horace Westwood rose from his seat and spat in his face. There continued a begging of the Black Unitarians to come back. Some returned, some didn't. What most of the people who were there voting didn't realize was that the vote of the General Assembly members did not carry any financial weight at all. They didn't know. The board was the only group that could make decisions about money. They could vote and tell the board how they wanted it to go, but the board is the one who held the purse. And so that vote in 68 to fund the Black Affairs Council, it told the board what, they, what the people wanted, and then the board added it to the deficit. Did I tell you they were already a million six in debt? And so they had voted to give a million dollars to the Black Affairs Council. They just added it, so now they're two million, two million six in debt. There was jubilation over that because nobody had told anybody that they were broke. Because everybody loved Dr. Greeley so much, nobody wanted to say that he and the boards before him had not handled the money very well. Or that the congregations hadn't been coming through with the funds very well. They just didn't have it.
The Black Affairs Council began a campaign to persuade congregations to convert half their investment holdings into Black Affairs Council bonds. In 1970, it was decided that they would be funded, but over a longer period of time. In February of 1970, they disaffiliated from the UUA, the Black Affairs Council. They boycotted General Assembly, and a motion to restore their funding at that General Assembly was defeated. Uh, Somebody had the idea that our funding source, this church in Long Island... Um, that has a program called Veach that has lots of money that they should fund uh, both BAC and BAWA. And so they had to reaffiliate in 72 to get that funding. But in 73, the caucus split into factions, one of which reorganized as the Black Humanist Fellowship. And by 1979, um, the Black Affairs Council's status as a UUA associate organization came to an end. There was such disappointment because everyone was so excited that we, the Unitarian Universalists, had voted to fund this Black Affairs Council. And nobody told them that there was no money. Nobody told anybody. And so the next president came on, and he was a practical person. And he had to fire 50 UUA employees, and he defunded the liberal religious youth. All the youth got defunded, and the Black Affairs Council got defunded. What would you have done? You want to do stuff? There's not money to do the stuff? No fundraising happened. We lost hundreds of black Unitarian Universalists during those years. Hundreds. Uh, One of them, an LRY member who's now a black UUA minister, was convinced to come back and serve as the first black UUA president, Bill Sinkford. So we're in a similar place now. This story's not over. We have all the same people in our midst in the UUA. We have the practical people. We have the radical people. We have the respectable people. We have the let's do it slowly and gradually people. We have the let's do it all at once people. We have the how could you even think about anything else during this time people. We have the we have to think about a hundred other things. Let's put it on the list. We have everybody in our movement. And here's what we decided to do in 2016. The board... um, recognized a new organization called Black Lives of UU, Blue. They are doing wonderful ministry with Black Unitarian Universalists. If you are a Black Unitarian Universalist, please look up BLUU. And they have um, conferences, and they have worship services online, and they have a a social action and social media presence. They have a staff and the in, because in 2016 the board voted to fund them $350,000 that year and then 5 million more over the next several years and guess what they did this time with our new president Susan Frederick Gray they did fundraising and they're looking for a lot of it from the congregations and so uh, they've already i hear raised million of it. Is David Overton here? They've raised a good bit of it. And they're looking to the congregations to help. 
So there's a basket in the back. If you want to make a check out to the UUA and put blue on the memo line, we'll send it up to UUA. If you want to just send it directly to blue, we can do that too. Just put blue, make it out to blue. But we're trying to get it right this time. Looks like we might do it. This is a new chance for the UU denomination. This is a journey that we're taking together. And we can take this journey in shame or we can take this journey in joy. And I'm here to tell you joy works better. We can take this journey in grumpy resentment or we can take this journey in curious humility. And I'm here to tell you that I will ask you to put on the mantle of curiosity and humility. People who are well-meaning and well-educated tend to think that we already know, oh, we know all that. We know that. We do not know all that. We have a lot of white supremacy culture in us, and I'm even talking about people of color, have white supremacy culture in every cell. It's very hard to imagine a culture outside of that. But we have to. We are in... Dumbledore's army pledged to dismantle these systems of oppression. And we do not want or like to look at how we participate in the systems of oppression. We don't. It's much easier to to sort of point out how other people are terrible. And we've got this lightning rod in the White House um, who's just terrible all the time, every day. And um, not being political, it's just everybody says that. And, And that's too easy. He's not the problem. He's a symptom of the problem. And a lot of the problem is in here. So I'm not saying forget about him. I'm just saying attend to in here too. Curiosity, not shame. Humility, not arrogance. So we're going to have a talk back. I've already gone over. Uh, We're going to have a talk back in House and Hall. For those of you who care to talk or have questions or thoughts about this, But what I want to ask you to do now, people of color, um, this is not for you. So you can check your phone or do whatever you want. Uh, But people who identify as white, let's raise your right hand. And I'm going to say, I pledge not to ask a person of color to explain this to me. Thank you. A wake-up call we have gotten here at Dumbledore's Army is that one of our board members, Maria Medina Milner, has said she's going to have to leave the church in June. She's leaving not because she's going anywhere, because she's tired of teaching us. She is not filled up here. She's drained here. And she thought she'd found a community of shared values. And we are, but we're just not embodying the values yet. And she got tired. And she wants to say, you're going to, she wants to say, I asked her if I could explain to you what she had said. And she said, yes. And she wants to ask, uh, please don't ask her to explain herself. Um, If you want to ask, there are white allies everywhere with the white allies here who are trained. uh, Stand up, please. So you could ask, there were some more at the first service. Uh, right now there's Scott and he's good. Um, ask him and he will uh, do his best to answer your questions if you want.
So, as we take this journey together, my friends, let us have good parties, and let us learn good things, and let us talk to one another lovingly, and not sting like scorpions. Will you say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Sing with me if you care to. Sounds like justice, somebody's calling my name. Sounds like justice, somebody's calling our name. Sounds like justice, somebody's calling our names. Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, what shall we do? Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.